Well, good morning, everybody. I am so glad that you have joined us today. And I love that song because in the midst of everything that's going on in our culture today, uh, and I know in the last couple of weeks, I've had so many conversations with people where we, I don't know, you feel like you're going to get over it, but it's not. There's so much happening. Do we need a way maker? Do we need a miracle worker? <laughs> Do we need light in the darkness? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So today, we're going to look at that God and see what he has to say about racism. I'm going to take two weeks to look at fighting racism. Now, it was May 25th when George Floyd was murdered. And I did address that in the first Sunday after that Monday on the weekend. I also wrote a response um, in an email to all of the K2 family, put it on Facebook, um, so why did we wait, actually, almost two months, though, to really address this for two weeks? Well, on April 20th of 1990, my mom passed away, 54 years old. I'm 55. She's a year younger than me. Um, and I remember when she passed away, people were amazing, so compassionate, so caring, bringing stuff over, just anything they could do to come alongside us. But then, I don't know, a month later, everybody just goes back to their life, <laughs> except us, because I lost my mom. And I think what I realized in conversations after George Floyd's murder was it's on the media, it's everywhere, the protests are happening. And then I was challenged by a friend who just said, and you know what, Dave? In a few weeks, we'll be tempted just to go back to normal because we can. And so you know what? I just want to say here at K2, we're going to fight to not go back to normal. But we're going to seek how we can actually be in a long-term commitment to fight racism. Why? Because what is racism? It's the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another. We say to ourselves, I'm right. My way is right. And then we look at people who are different when we judge them and we say, you're wrong. Your way is wrong. And then what we do is we put ourselves over them. And so, and that results in prejudice behavior. And it can be as simple as being dismissive, but then it can lead to being unfair, to being unjust, discriminatory all the way to antagonistic actions with contempt. Now, I'm guessing that if most of you are like me, you probably have said to yourself, I don't think I'm racist. And I, and I just want to be honest with you. <laughs> As I've been sitting with this deeply now for a couple months in conversations and before the Lord, I don't, I've never considered myself racist, but I'm challenging my own assumption of my heart. Because I am embedded in a culture that works for me, that feels right. And I'm human, just like everybody else. And I think every human being, when you get into a place where you feel like you're right, you can't help but feel like somebody else is wrong. But here's one thing that has become very clear to me, is that even if I'm not racist, I have never been anti 
racists. And this is where the challenge is. To me personally, in my own life, and as your pastor, that I want to challenge all of us here at K2. That it's not enough to just sit, sit back and say, well, I'm not like them, and not do anything to actually fight against it. So we go to Martin Luther King, who says, there comes a time when silence is betrayal. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And can I ask you a question? Does racism matter? Does division matter to God? And then his classic quote, in the, front, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So we're going to take two weeks and we're going to say, and I'm going to challenge us all. I've been challenging me and I'm going to challenge you that we need to join the fight against racism. And today I'm going to talk about how we join God in that fight. And then next week we're going to talk about how we join each other. And just to give you some vision, some hope that this can happen we just found a great story. Our, our, our team found a great story that's so encouraging that things can change. So watch this, and then I'll start my message. Man, what a fantastic story. I love when she said, I can legitimately call Gary a friend, and it's the last thing I thought would happen. Well, I just want to tell you guys, that can happen, you guys, over and over and over again. Now, next week is when we're going to really address this more practical way. How do we move with each other and fight against racism? And I am so excited to have uh, three guests that are going to join me next week. Corey Hodges, who's the pastor of the Point Church. Sean Newell, who's the director of the Utah Multicultural Civic Council. And then this week as well, uh, got Emma E. Houston who's able to commit to join us, and she is the chair of the MLK Junior Human Rights Commission. And man, I tell you, man, in my conversations with these guys, we're going to learn a lot next week about how to be practically moving and fighting against racism. But before we actually start to fix things, we have to know why it's broken, we got to get to the root of it, not just, again, like cut off the weeds, but what's causing racism? Why are we racist? And then we fix that first, and that's what I want to talk about today. So we're going to go to God, and there's three things I'm going to look at today. Why does God fight racism? How does God fight racism? And then how do we join him in the fight? All right? So let's look at this first one. Why does God fight racism? racism. First one is because racism defies his very nature. God is love. Now, this is super important. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It starts in the Old Testament, what eventually became known as the Shema. It's a, these five verses became the Jewish confession of faith that they would say twice a day. So twice a day, they were just Remember, remember, remember. And the first verse in chapter 6, verse 4 of Deuteronomy says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
But what's interesting is that word for one is not the word for singleness. It's the word for unity. Our God is one in unity. And so, and we go through the whole council of scripture and there's been developed a theological term called the Trinity, that the, there's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that somehow God exists in three equal, eternal, and distinct persons. And so, and he is perfect in unity. He's one in diversity, perfect in unity, in diversity, and that's the essence of our God. And that's possible because of holy love. So in his very nature, God is saying, I hate division because it's not me. So racism's divisive, but God's nature exudes unity and diversity. So followers of Christ are urged, urged to fight for this unity in the midst of our diversity. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 3, it says this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why? Because you, I know you're different, but my spirit is one of unity. And then in this passage, this unity is motivated by an appeal to the diversity of God, the unity in his diversity. It says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, through all, and in all. One Spirit, one Lord Jesus, one Father, one, one, one. God fights against racism, which is divisive, because in his nature and in his essence, he is unity in diversity, and he is holy love. Second one, God fights racism because it defies his creation. I mean, if you just look at the physical creation all around us, the diversity is ridiculous, and yet it all works together as one for life. But then when he creates humankind, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, he says, so God created man in his own image. Now, that means lots of things, but one of the things it means is unity in diversity. Because he goes on, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We have diversity in our sexuality. But he doesn't just stop there. Black and white and Asian and Indian. In fact, Acts 17, 26 says this. God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. See, so the Bible tells us that it traces all humans back to one couple. So at the core, there's actually only one race, the human race. And then God gets creative and there's diversity. Every nation, he says, black, white, Asian, Indian. I, I can imagine God just getting excited 
about the diversity of humankind that he was going to create from one, diversity and unity. So God hates racism where people are dividing because they're different when he's going, no, this was my idea to create you diverse so that in love you can be unified because that's me and that's my creation. God's created every human being in his image. That means he loves everyone he's created. Knit them together in their mother's womb, each person God's idea. So all humans have equal dignity and worth as persons who are created in God's image. So where racism devalues someone based on their ethnicity, God values everyone in their ethnicity. So he defies, he just, he, he fights racism because his whole plan in creation was to have unity and diversity. The third point, why does God fight racism? Because he defies, racism, excuse me, defies God's eternal plan. See, this is a temporary existence and we know that. But in heaven, we get to see what God's eternal plan is for humankind. Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 10 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Listen, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. See, the new heaven, a new earth, y'all, it's not just going to contain individual people who were saved. It's a new humanity. Because everyone who was saved, but it, salvation belongs to God. They cried out to him. But salvation is being reconciled to God with his spirit. And anybody who's being saved has received the same spirit, one spirit. So it's a new humanity that we're going to experience forever with no division. So God fights racism because it defies his ultimate plan. It's his nature. It's his creation of his people. It's his ultimate plan in eternity. And the last one is God uh, fights racism because it defies his very will and his pleasure. Man, I love this verse. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Every time I read this passage, I just go, you just have to stop there and go, hold on, stop. Stop. God's revealed his will? That's amazing. What is it? God, we can know what God's pleasure is and and we can know the purpose of Christ. And what is it? Verse 10 says, as a plan, yes, what's a plan? For the fullness of time. What's God's will? His pleasure and his purpose in Christ. To unite all things in Jesus. Things in heaven, and things on earth. Y'all, at the very heart of God in 
everything he's doing, his plan, his purpose of Christ, his will, his pleasure, is to unite everything in Christ. Come on, man. And you don't think that he wants to fight against racism? When all he wants to do is unite the beautiful people, the diverse creation that he made in oneness. You know what he's going to do? He's going to destroy divisive thinking. He's going to crush divisive behavior. He's going to eliminate racism. There certainly won't be any in heaven. So, if I am a Christian... (laughs) By very definition, Jesus tells us that the only way you become a child of God or a Christian is if you're actually born of God. So you are born of his spirit. So this God, right, who by nature is unity and diversity, this God who created each diverse person out of love and dignity in his image, this God who's preparing a place of unity and diversity forever, and this God whose will and purpose and pleasure in Jesus is to unite everything, is in me. And if you're a Christian, If you're a follower of Jesus, if you actually are, so that doesn't mean if you go to church, but if you're actually born of God and he's inside you, then that needs to be true of you and me as well. I need to join him because God fights against racism and I need to join him in that fight. So let's move to the second point. That's why God fights against racism. But now how? How does God fight racism? Well, he goes to the core of why we're racist in the first place. See, before we can, because we just want to go change our behavior, but before we can actually change our behavior, our heart must change. We need to have a renewed mind and a new heart. For out of the wellspring of your heart is how you're going to behave. So that's why we're waiting until next week to get to that. Because we got to go here and see, well, how does God fight racism? How does he get to the core and the root of it? Well, he creates again. So he created us in the first place. But now he creates oneness in Jesus Christ. He creates oneness in Jesus Christ. So again, the purpose of Christ, God revealed his mystery of his will of Christ. The purpose of Christ was to unite everything. And that was fulfilled in his death. Jesus knew that he had come to earth to die. And so what do we know about his death how do, what do we know about it? Well, we finally know what love is. Scripture tells us this is how we know what love is. That holy love that unifies diversity. So how does God fight racism? You guys, he fights it with love. And so Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us, okay? So what's sin? Sin is any behavior, anything in our heart or in our mind that's the opposite of God. So again, if God's all about unity, then anytime there's racism or divisive nature or judgment towards another human being that causes us to separate from each other, then that's sin. And so, but he says, while you were still sinner, he goes, let me demonstrate what love is like. I actually judge you as a sinner and then I lay down my life for you. So let's look at this thing, this heart, because here we go. Before we're going to change our behavior, we got to change this. While we were still sinners. What is sin? It's a rejection, ultimately, of God and his love. And when you reject God and his love, now you actually have to find your identity and your value in something else besides him. So when you reject God and his love, you do that because you actually want to live a life where you're in control and your life becomes centered on yourself. And so now you're left actually to prove yourself. And that's what every one of us is trying to do to, to, to create an identity. And so we go, well, man, I'm, and so we have to tell ourselves, I'm good. And I'm right, and you have to convince yourself of that, and you do things to, to make yourself feel like you're good and that you're right. See, this works to make me feel accepted. It makes me feel valuable. It makes me feel significant. It makes me feel loved. And every human being, every one of us, is caught up when we reject God and his perfect love for us. We're left to figure out by ourselves and to prove that we're valuable now. So we've worked, what have we done? We've actually worked to establish a righteousness and an identity apart from God. I need to feel right. I need to feel good. I need to have value and significance. So we create our own righteousness. And then when someone else doesn't fit into those categories, again, I'm right. <laughs> this is what works for me. And you're not like that. And that threatens me. And so I judge you because you're wrong. And now we get into this divisiveness. Racism, you guys, at its core is judgment. It's one horrendous way that we justify ourselves. So again, I'm right. My way is right. And then we make a judgment, you're wrong and your way is wrong. And we put ourselves over the other person. And now, and again, this can be simple. We can just dismiss people who aren't like us. We can just ignore them. I'm just going to stay in my little bubble, in my little culture, because this is where I feel safe and this is where I feel comfortable and this is where I feel good about who I am. That, those people make me nervous. <laughs> I don't know if I'll fit in. I don't know if it'll work for me. So we divide ourselves. We just dismiss and ignore. But then it goes a little bit deeper, and we can actually start to refuse to accept people who don't abandon their distinctive to adopt ours. And we just keep our distance. And then it goes a little bit deeper, and we refuse to care. And we refuse to defend the rights of those people. 
Now we start moving into racism at a level where segregation happens, where we actually punish people for being different than we are. And unfortunately in our country, the horrible history of dominating another group of people for your personal ends at the expense of somebody else just because of their race. But it all starts with judgment. That I'm right. My way is right. You're different. And you're wrong. And your way is wrong. And then it moves in to something that absolutely breaks the heart of God. So what does God say? God says, I hate this. I hate this. It is the antithesis of who I am. It has absolutely destroyed the beauty of my creation, the diversity that was supposed to be in unity. So I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it, he says. I'm going to destroy it. And how, how do we know that God's going to fight it? Like, how, how, how far is he going to go in the fight? All the way to the death. <laughs> That's how far God is going to go in this fight. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 14, this is how we know how God fights against racism. It says, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. Now, in this context, it's the Jew and the Gentile. Unbelievable division, despising one another at the nth degree. And yet in Jesus, he has made those two groups, these racial Racists who want nothing to do with each other, he's made those groups one. And he has destroyed. There it is. You want to know if God's fighting this? He's destroying stuff. What's he destroying? The barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Well, what's the barrier again? The barrier, you guys, is I see you different than me. I see you not as good as me. Your way isn't right. It's not good. And that's a dividing wall. It's a barrier. But that's a dividing wall, eventually a hostility. I hate that you threaten my way and my significance. And Jesus is going, you know what? I'm destroying that. How does he do it? Verse 15, by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose, here we go, remember? God had a purpose. His purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. This is the whole purpose of God, to reconcile us to himself so he could reconcile us to each other and create one new humanity out of the two. It's beautiful. Verse 16, and in one body, his body, to reconcile 
both of these, these, these people who are judging each other. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, my way's right. No, my way's right. He, and then he takes the two to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Somehow Jesus' death on the cross, and this is why we're talking about this. How does God destroy and fight racism through the cross? He has to get to the the depth of our inner being, to our self-righteousness where we think that we're right. And how does he do that? He does it through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So man, we're looking at our world, we're going, it's so hostile. And Jesus is like, I can put that hostility to death and make you one new humanity. Verse 17, he came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Let me try to unpack this. I've been praying like crazy that this can become clear to us and we can understand this because this is the heart of the issue of all racism. How does God fight it? in all judgment and division on earth, by declaring all of humanity. He goes, I feel like God's saying, hey, you guys want division, like all of you? You want to talk about who's right and who's wrong? I actually am right, is what God says. Y'all are wrong. I'm good. He goes, you're not good. I'm the one, actually, that you're not like at all. You never meet my standard. All your efforts to make yourself right apart from me is sin. Because it's all about you. And it's an offense to me, God says. And you have. You have separated yourself from me. You want to talk about segregation and division? You have separated yourself from me. And you are deserving of eternal separation from me, which is death. And then God's, so here we are, right? We're going, I'm right and you're not. And then we make this judgment towards them and then we put ourselves over these other people and it divides us. And God goes, well, that's my judgment. I am the only one who actually is right and good and love and you're not. And that's my judgment. And he says, I'm gonna destroy your self-righteousness, which is the core issue of why you're racist in the first place. In any form, at any level. But after he makes his judgment, I'm right, God says, you're wrong, and here's my judgment on that. After he makes that judgment, then you know what he says? Totally unlike us. He goes, and I love you. And I want you. So I'm not gonna put myself over you I'm going to lay down my life for you. This is the love that changes everything. See, and he says his whole purpose was to create unity, to unify everything in Christ, right? In one body, Jesus has actually torn down this wall of hostility. Why? Because God comes and he goes, I am going to judge that sin, but I'm going to do it in 
Christ. He takes the judgment I deserve for dissing God, for separating myself from him, from not wanting anything to do with him. I've separated myself. And then he takes the judgment, because he does judge sin, and he puts it in Jesus. Like, in, like everywhere we go, people separate from us, they judge us, they move away from us when we're not like them. And God is the only one who actually should judge us. And he does, but he does it in Christ. And now I'm free. He forgives me of all of my sin. Oh my gosh. And this is what's true for every diverse person that God has created and he loved. He put to death our hostility towards each other. How? Through the cross. Because you know why? Because when you actually meet a holy God who should punish you and he doesn't, who should judge you and separate himself from you, and instead he lays down his life for you, it absolutely humbles you and amazes you. And in his judgment, instead of putting himself over us, he lays us down his life for us. And then the scripture said, and now through him, through Jesus, we both, the only reason we have access to God is because of Jesus, but we both have access to the Father by one spirit. <laughs> I just, my, I always picture this and I just imagine like I'm gonna get to heaven, all of us, everyone, we're gonna get there and we're gonna go, I can't even believe that I get to be here. And then you're gonna look over here and you go, wait, wait, you're here too? <laughs> like, wait, how, how'd you get here? Well, Jesus loved me. He died for me and he forgave me. Me too. Same spirit? Yep. Child of God? Yep. Filled with his love? Yep. Totally by grace? Yeah. And I'm just telling you guys, that realization is what humbles you and it crushes your self-righteousness and you receive God's. So Galatians 3, 26 through 28 says, so in Christ Jesus, in him, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, black nor white, slave nor free. There's neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So how does God destroy racism? By destroying our self-righteousness. By forgiving us for making ourselves the judge of everyone else, even of God. Wiping away our sin. And then reconciling us back to him and putting his spirit in us of unity and holy love for one another. So why does God fight racism? Because of who he is and what he's created and his eternal plan and his will and his purpose in Christ. How does he defeat racism? Through the forgiveness of your sin and the grace you receive. And then lastly, how do we join him then? in the fight. 
How can I join God? How can I actually have a heart that will not be satisfied, not only to not be racist, but will fight, will join God in this? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 16, here we go. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So how do we join God in the fight, you guys? Here's your application for today. Number one, you gotta know the love of Christ. You gotta know the love of Christ. Christ's love compels us, the scripture said. And so you gotta know that love. You've gotta receive that love. You gotta run into a holy God who should judge you if there should ever be any racism, if there should be any judgment because someone's right and you're wrong, it should be God. But instead, you get this love from God that crushes your self-righteousness and your judgment. It saves us. And then God pours that love into our hearts and it says, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So now all of a sudden his love is inside my heart and I realize every race, every tribe, every ethnicity, every person that feels different than me, Christ died for. Every one of them. And all died. So I finally get it. God's created everyone. He loves everyone. He died for everyone. So I have to know the love of Christ. And by the way, you have to receive the love of Christ. You have to put your faith. If you're not a Christian or follower of Christ and you're racism and you're racist, you need a new heart. You need God to forgive you of your abandonment of him to prove yourself right. And just let him destroy that with his forgiveness and his love for you. It's so humbling. And then once you know the love of Christ, the second thing is, then you have eyes for Christ. Then you can have the eyes of Christ. I love this verse so much. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. See, once you finally see yourself as someone who just received grace that you did not deserve and you realize God loves you and then you realize and he died for everyone else, it's like God gives you, he pours his, well, he did. He put his spirit inside of you. He pours his love inside of you. And now, because you have a new heart, you can actually view people through the lens of Christ. We no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. White towards black, black towards white, Asian, Indian, Hispanic. Doesn't matter. We're all from the human race. We're part of the diverse creation that God loves. And I can finally see you differently because I'm not trying to make myself right by what I do and how I do it and what I'm like. And you're not, it doesn't, it, I'm, I'm, only, I'm not righteous at all. None of us are. But we were made righteous by Jesus. And he gives us those eyes, you guys. You can have the eyes of Christ. And then the last thing he says is, hey, and if you've received my love and you have my eyes, then what do we do? We live for Christ. He says, and he died for all 
that those who live. Come on, man. And my guess is if you're most of you who are watching this, if you've received Christ, he's talking about you. And if you're watching today and you know you have racist tendencies in your heart and you see people as different and you judge them and you separate yourself from them and you want to receive Christ, he goes, anybody who lives should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So why are we going to fight against racism? Because God fights against racism. He fights all the way to the death. It's his will. It's his pleasure. It's his purpose in Christ. It's his eternal plan. It's how he feels about every single human being. And once I've received the grace and the forgiveness for my self-righteousness and received his love that crushes it, then I'm going to live for him. I'm going to fight for what he fights for. I'm going to join him in the fight against racism. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Who's my neighbor? The guy says to Jesus, the guy that you hate, the guy that you won't have anything to do, you Jewish man who will have nothing to do with Samaritans. That's your neighbor. Let's go. Then we'll do that. If I live for him, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to cross those racial lines. I'm going to build that bridge. I'm going to fight against all favoritism, injustice, and segregation. See, guys, we're going to get to that next week, how we're going to do all that. But the first thing you got to do is you have a heart that says, no longer, no longer do I say, I'm right, you're wrong, and I put myself over you. But I'm wrong, and God is right, and he's given me his heart, so I'm going to lay down my life for you. So today, as we close, the first thing I want to challenge you on is an application is some of you just need to be reconciled to God. Some of you need to go to God and say, you know what, God? I have completely separated myself from you. I've totally been trying to make myself right, trying to make myself good, trying to show this myself even that I'm valuable and significant, and it has made me a judgmental person around everybody else. So I confess to you, God, that I sinned against you, and I want to ask you to forgive me Please, God, forgive me and reconcile me back to yourself. Destroy my self-righteousness and give me grace and mercy and forgive me. And then once you receive that forgiveness and his spirit, for the rest of us who are Christians, some of you right now, you just need to let the Holy Spirit reveal your racism. Open it up and say, God, like David said, see if there be any wicked way in me. God, is there any way that I am judging others, putting them down, elevating myself because they're not like me? And then confess any judgment that puts you over another person and then repent. Turn to God. Turn to God. Be in awe of his love for you. Let it wash over you, change you, his spirit of love, his spirit of grace, his spirit that loves every single human being. 
that instead, when he loved you, when he judged you, he came down and served you. And now we go out and we live for him and we do the exact same thing. So our closing song, you guys, is a great worship song. Soak this one in, because you know what it says? Lord, I need you. There's nothing in the human flesh that's going to bind us together. It's only the love and the grace and the presence of Jesus, who created everyone, loves everyone, and he can help you. So as you sing this, ask God for his help to join him in the fight against racism.